And um, for the closing song, if you want to find it, we're going to be doing the doxology. Many of you probably know it by heart. We're just going to do it a cappella, so you can have that ready if you want to find the music. And if you'll turn with me to John chapter 12. Brian read um, part of this for the call to worship. And um, I've mentioned these kinds of things to you before. Uh, Brian and I didn't talk about this. He had no idea that this was the passage I was going to be looking at today. Um, but God coordinated that, and he had that on his heart to share with you this morning. John chapter 12 is one of the accounts of the triumphal entry. So as you're turning there, um, I just want to... I want to bring your attention to something that you've probably all experienced in some way. Um, as we get ready to talk about the things that we're going to be looking at in our text today, um, we we've probably all had some kind of experience growing up where there's a kid in high school who's arrogant because he's good at everything that he does. Like there's nothing that he does that he's not good at, you know. And so he thinks he's a big shot, and because of that, he only considers you worthy of his time if you're also good at those things. Anybody know people like that growing up? Like, um, you know, they're in the cool crowd and um, don't want to step on any toes if you were these, if you were the person we're talking about <laughs> today. <laughs> um, you know, anybody else to that person is considered a second-class citizen. Um, and he might at times even be flat-out mean to those who aren't in his inner circle of friends. Those people live in a fantasy world. And so those of us who live in the real world, whether it was us at the time or maybe we're seeing it in the lives of our, you know, the, the situation with our own kids in school, maybe, maybe there are people like this that they're dealing with. But those of us who live in the real world often say, you know, when he graduates and he gets into the real world, he's in for a real rude uh, awakening, right? Um, things can change in life so quickly, and we look back at situations like that and we see how some of those people have had major life changes that have changed their character. Um, they got into the real world and they realized, you know, life is more, li life is more important has and is centered on things that are not me. Um, so things in life do change very quickly. Um, one day things are great, the next day life is crumbling all around you. And Jesus, when Jesus was entering, you know, we, this is Palm Sunday, I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but when, when Jesus is entering his last week of his earthly life, of his ministry, um, he knew that when he returned, after this was, week was over and he returned to the Father, he knew that his disciples were in for a rude awakening, that things were going to be a lot different than what they had experienced or understood. They had no idea what was coming, and they had no idea how quickly their lives were going to be turned upside down. And so Jesus had one week left with them. So he chose to teach them some really important lessons to prepare them for what was in store for them. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of those that seem to be a dominant theme throughout the week. So 
Let's look at our text, John chapter 12. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 12 to 19. It's okay to reread uh, some of that because Peter tells us in his letter, that in one of his letters, that repetition is good. It's good to repeat things. And so we're going to read it again. If you're able to stand, would you please stand to honor God as we read his word? John 12, starting in verse 12. The next day, the crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, so we're talking about after he raises from the dead and really after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes, do they really fully understand this stuff? Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, as we look at some things from the last week of Jesus' earthly life and ministry, uh, I pray that we would gain a good understanding, a deeper understanding of the things that we are going to discuss, the things that we are, are dominant themes throughout this week that we see in the text, that we might have a, a deeper relationship with you. So draw us close to your heart as we study your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So in your notes, I've got in there the two things we're going to be talking about. I didn't know how to put notes together for you because we're going to, like, it, we'll talk about each one throughout. And so I'm, I'm not first talking about the one and then talking about the second. We're going to be talking about referencing them both. So I just thought I'll give you the, the, the actual thing we're talking about, and whenever we get to that, if there's something you want to take notes on, you can put it underneath that heading. So this is Palm Sunday. Today we call it Palm Sunday um, because of the Gospel of John. All four Gospels talk about this, but John um, is the only one that mentions specifically that the branches that the people broke off and were waving were palm branches, and so we call it Palm Sunday. Um, another thing that we call it in our age today is the triumph triumphal entry, the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem as king. Um, there is there's much in the text that indicates that this very large crowd was hailing him as king, and it was a it was a really really large crowd. Jerusalem during a feast like Passover would swell far beyond its capacity of being able to 
house people and accommodate people. So it was a huge crowd. Um, so we talk about Jesus coming into Jerusalem triumphantly among those who saw him and hailed him as king because they saw him as deliverer, their deliverer. Um, we're not going to get into a lot of that today, but there are things that I've mentioned before that talk about uh, just how they, they didn't see him as the Messiah that God had in mind in his first coming. Um, they saw him as the one who's going to physically deliver them from the oppressor, which was Rome. So that's what we call it today, Palm Sunday or the day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But at the time, this particular Sunday was called Lamb Selection Day. According to Exodus chapter 12, it was the day that the Jews were instructed to choose the lamb that would be slain for the Passover meal later that week. And so the reason why there were throngs of people flowing into Jerusalem that day was because they had to get there to pick out the lamb for their family's Passover celebration. If you didn't have one you were going to bring with you, they had places where you could go and buy a lamb from the authorities who would inspect them and make sure that they were a lamb that... It was a lamb that was a year old without any kind of defects, and so um, you were allowed to go in and purchase one. And so there were throngs of people who were coming into the, into the city because it was the day to select the lamb and begin to care for it until it was time to celebrate Passover. So this was the last week of his earthly life before his crucifixion. And he approached Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. We're told in, I think it is, I think it's Luke's gospel that tells us that he descended the Mount of Olives on the road that went to Jerusalem. And so he's coming down the Mount of Olives. Um, he had stayed the night before on the other side of the mountain. So if Jerusalem is here, you got the valley and then the Mount of Olives. And then on the other side of the Mount of Olives was a little town, um, a village really called Bethany and he stayed there the night before and the next day on on that Sunday he headed to, to Jerusalem and came down the road that went from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem so he started and ended his week here so I want to talk about the significance of this place on the Mount of Olives um, olive groves were an important part of Jewish life, right? They used the olives for food. They used the olive oil for cooking. They used it for their lamps so they could have light at night. They used it in all kinds of other daily uses. But one really important use of olive oil was for anointing something to be set apart to the Lord. So olives and olive oil, it, that was a staple in first century Judea, um, first century Galilee also, really the whole nation. So people took very good care of their olive groves. They had, if they had one tree or they had a number of trees, they, they took care of them because this was such an important part of daily life. If an olive tree would stop producing fruit, they would try to nurture it back to health. And there's a parable you might remember of that Jesus tells of a fruitless fig tree. It's, this is in Luke chapter 13. 
he tells this parable about this fig tree that stopped producing fruit um, and the owner of the tree instructed one of his servants to cut it down he said why should it use up the soil and so um, so that was a practice at the time if your trees weren't producing fruit you cut them down but the if you remember from the parable the servant said let me let me have a year and I will and I will dig around it and I'll fertilize it and let me see if I can get it producing fruit and you know the owner said okay but if it doesn't produce fruit by the end we're cutting it down there's actually cutting it down looks like something destructive but it was actually something that was done to make something that had stopped producing fruit to produce fruit again because what would happen was you'd cut it down to the stump and you'd leave it and before you'd know it there would be a little shoot that would either come out of the middle or maybe maybe grow out of the side and the shoot would grow and grow and eventually it would become a new tree that would then branch out and start producing fruit again and and so they did this with the olive trees a lot um, I uh, I didn't know we were going to be short-handed today, so I was going to put on the slides a picture of a stump that has a shoot sticking out just so you could see it, but many of you have probably seen this um, around. But the shoot or, or the branch that would grow out of that would become a new olive tree that would begin branching out and bearing fruit again. And so, so they cut the cutting it down was actually to make it then once again produce fruit. Now, in the Old Testament, Israel was disobedient, which we've been talking about in Judges, right? So no, no shocker there. Israel was disobedient and unfaithful. Um, she was no longer the beacon of light of truth that was supposed, she was supposed to be. So she was not only not bearing fruit, she was actually bearing bad fruit. She had become of no good. She needed to be cut down. So God spoke messianic prophecy through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 11 of Isaiah. Um, you can either write it down or you can turn there with me. But this is a messianic prophecy that talks about Jesus who is going to be, he's referred to as the shoot or the branch of Jesse. So Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 says this, messianic prophecy. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse... From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Let me read that again. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, why Jesse? Jesse was the father of David, King David. And the Messiah was to come through the line of David, right? So, so he's referred, this is referred to as the stump of Jesse. You have a stump that still has roots in the ground, so it's still getting the, the nutrients it needs. And a shoot, new shoot, brand new shoot, uh, comes out and draws those nutrients and then grows to become a new tree. The Old Testament speaks about the Messiah as a branch or a shoot like that in a number of places. Isaiah chapter 4 talks about it. And then Isaiah mentions it again in 11. Jeremiah 23 talks about it. And Jeremiah 33 so those are all messianic prophecies 
who that talk about Jesus referring to the Messiah as a branch. The text in Isaiah 11 says that the branch or the shoot will sprout from the stump of Jesse and then from the, we can trace that back through the line of David. So Jesus comes on lamb selection day, he comes as the lamb of God, descending the hill of Mount, the, the, the Mount of Olives, okay? I want, now I, wanna, I want you to think about there's, there's a number of things here that I'm going to try to draw together. He, he comes as the lamb, uh, the lamb of God. We already know that from our, uh, from our perspective in the 21st century, having the full canon in front of us, we already know that John the Baptist understood this and declared him. He said, Look, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's now fast forwarded to Jesus' last week of his life. And on lamb selection day, this comes in as if God was saying to the people, here is the lamb that I choose. This is my lamb. I'm picking my Passover lamb. And then Jesus would later become the pa God's Passover lamb. And Jesus also, as the shoot or the branch of Jesse, appears on the Mount of Olives where there was olive trees and olive groves and life that, had, that was being fruit that was being born from these trees. Perhaps there were stumps who had, where a tree had stopped producing fruit and they cut it down and maybe there were new shoots coming out. And so there's this scene where the Lamb of God appears on Lamb Selection Day, but he's also understood to be the shoot or the branch of Jesse surrounded by the imagery that that conjures up in the minds of the Jewish people. That's the beginning of the week. Palm Sunday. I want you now to fast forward to Thursday night of Passion Week. During the time that they were celebrating the Passover, Jesus draws again on this imagery of, the, uh, of a tree or a plant that is growing and producing fruit. He illustrates for the disciples what it means for him to be the branch or the shoot from the stump of Jesse. So in John 15, I'm not, we're not going to read from that text, but John 15 is during the Passover celebration with his disciples. He explains to them, and he uses the imagery of the vine and the branches, right? And so he says to them, uh, I'll just sum it up, because he says it in a number of different ways, but I'll just sum it up. He, he says, I'm... I'm a vine. You guys are the branches that are coming off of me. If, if you're connected to me, you'll bear fruit. If you're not connected to the vine, then you will not bear fruit. You will, you will wither. And so um, he also talks a little bit about God being the gardener. And God prunes the vine to make it produce more fruit. And so he brings up this imagery again of how he has now become the new source of life that has branches coming off and of him and producing fruit. And he tells the disciples, you need to remain in me as the vine to have life and to produce fruit. And the purpose in that parable, the purpose of the branches producing fruit was not for themselves and not for the vine, but for the father's use, the, the gardener's use. And he, and he says, God the father is the gardener. 
And so he brings up this imagery again. He was the shoot or the branch that sprouted out of the stump of Jesse that eventually became a new tree and bears to bear new branches and new fruit. And Jesus told his disciples that he is the one that has that life-giving source. To be cut off from the vine would be to be cut off from the thing from which you drew life, you drew nutrients, you drew the things you needed to, to, to thrive. But as long as those branches draw life from the vine, they will bear much fruit. So he encourages them over and over again in, throughout this, this illustration to remain in him so they can receive that life, the life-giving nutrients. But he warns them that if they bear no fruit, they will be cut off from the vine. And there's this picture of being cut off completely from the Trinity. Uh, he, he doesn't mention the Spirit yet in this po at this point, but he's talked about the Father and, and him as the Son. And so we know that there's more, he's talking about more than one person in the Trinity, and to be cut off from that is to be cut off from the salvation that you would have through, through God and those who make up the Trinity. So when Jesus, so that's during the Passover meal. When they finished the Passover meal, you'll remember that when they were done, he, he didn't have much time. In a matter of hours, he, all of this was going to be interrupted by his arrest. So after the Passover meal, they, take, they have a very short period of time before the temple guard arrives. So he takes his disciples to one of his favorite places. Where does he go? Who shot it out? Does he take them after the Passover meal? Where is he arrested? Garden of Gethsemane, which is where? On the Mount of Olives takes him. It's one of his favorite places to take his disciples and spend time with them. The Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. So here we are again in the same setting that he came into the city at the beginning of the week. And they were certainly in the middle of the olive grove because they were near the location of the olive press. A Gethsemane is an olive press. And so this was a specific place on the Mount of Olives. It's covered in olive trees and where you could go and you could press the olives to get the olive oil and collect it and those kinds of things. And so that's where he would go to spend time with his disciples. It's here that Jesus is in such anguish as he considers how in just a few short hours he's going to take upon himself the sins of all of human history. You'll recall Paul tells the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that that he didn't have any sin, but he became it for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he became that sin for us. He, he's in anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane because he, he knows what's coming 
He became sin for us, but that meant that for the very first time in Jesus' eternal existence, he's going to be cut off from the presence of the Father. And so there's more imagery of being cut off. Now, the disciples might not have understood that because this might be Jesus doing this on his own. You know, he made them stay behind. He went off and prayed by himself. But we as the readers see this imagery of, of being connected to the source of life or being cut off because of sin. When Jesus became sin for us on the cross, there was a period of time that he was cut off from the presence of the Father. And that's symbolized further when he's on the cross by at noon, for, from noon to three, complete darkness comes over the face of the earth. Okay, so... We've got this imagery, the Lamb of God, the branch or the shoot of Jesse. And it starts at the beginning of the week. It runs through, and we see it numerous times throughout the week until now he's at the very end before he's about to be arrested. There... There were a lot of last-minute lessons that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples during that week. But these two seem to emerge frequently, I think. His role as the Lamb of God and his role as the branch or the shoot of Jesse. So my question then is, why are these two things so important for the disciples to understand? Last week, he's got limited time. Why are these things that seem to emerge so much in his in, in what we have in our scriptures. Well, I think the disciples needed to understand Jesus' role as Lamb of God because it was going to shape their understanding of his atoning sacrifice. That the Passover lamb was sacrificed and it was eaten as a reminder of Israel's deliverance from the physical bondage in Egypt. And so every year they celebrated it and it was a celebration because of what God did. But that was a major event in their life. The, in the nation. And Jesus takes the, that role as the Passover lamb who delivers us from our bondage to sin. Because he was our Passover lamb, we're no longer slaves to sin, like the Israelites were no longer slaves to Egypt. It's through his shed blood that God redeemed us. He bought us back. And we now have the promise of eternal life. But this understanding is a radical a difference of understanding than what would have been in the minds of the Jewish people. Jesus' disciples were Jews who had been raised in that culture. There were things that Jesus had to teach them over and over again in, to get them to understand a more full understanding of what he was going to do, and this was one of them. The basis of the gospel message was that they were going to take to the ends of the earth was that Jesus had died for the sins of all people. And it's no longer something that has to be done by obedience to the law. It's no longer something that is, is a works-based thing. It's something that we couldn't do, and God provided it for us. And that was a radical difference in understanding, and they needed to learn that before they took the torch and ran with it into to the ends of the earth. And so 
His role as the Lamb of God was something that still needed to be taught. The disciples also needed to understand his role as the shoot or the branch of Jesse that grew into a new mature olive tree because it was only through being connected to the vine, that source of life-giving nutrients, that they would be able to sustain life. So this is also transforming to them as they, they're going to be facing serious spiritual warfare that's going to come as a result in their spreading, um, sorry, them separating themselves from the world and being connected to the vine. Taking that message that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world is going to be a, a radical message. And because of that, they are going to be facing spiritual warfare that could possibly result in not separating themselves from the world, but maybe, maybe separating themselves from the vine and conforming to the world. And we're seeing that happen in our churches in America today, which we just talked about last week. So as they take this life-changing message and world-transforming gospel message out to the ends of the earth, they now are going to become targets for the fiery arrows of the devil. Strength, health, and life depend upon their connection to the vine. So they understand the message that he's the Lamb of God, and they understood the danger of being cut off from the source of the li of life, which is the branch. And it's the same for us today. Nothing has changed. Nothing is different. Most of us in here would most likely, probably in any setting, declare that Jesus' atoning sacrifice is what paid for our sins. I know all of you well enough to know that I, I have confidence in your understanding of that and your declaration of that. We call that... In theology, we call that substitutionary atonement because he took our place like he was he substituted in our place for us. But where I think we struggle more, I'm not saying you specifically, I'm just saying like the church, I think in general, where we struggle more is in terms of those roles of Jesus being fully connected to the vine, um, like our, our role being connected to Jesus as the vine in order to receive the spiritual nutrients and the nourishment that's only provided through that personal and intimate relationship with him. I think it's, it's easier, I think, to declare, yes, Jesus is who paid for my sins. It's harder to be connected to him when we're facing spiritual warfare that wants to pull us away from him. It's harder, I think, to stay connected to him and, and live a faithful life to him when it's so much easier to go the way of the world, which is why so many churches are doing it. But it's vital for us because to be separated from the vine or the branch that is that becomes the tree of new life, to be separated from that means to wither and die. And it comes from a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus where you're connected to him. So we have a life-transforming message of salvation that we offer the world, but if we're not fully connected to the vine, then we will not bear fruit for the gardener. And if that happens, then we may be cut off. But if we stay connected to the vine, and the intimacy, the intimacy then that you experience with Christ will cause 
all the other things that might be warfare, you know, tactics of Satan to, to attack us, temptations, all the things that Satan's trying to use to lure us away, if we stay connected to the vine, that intimacy that we experience with him causes all those glo the glories of all those other things and the desires that we might have to pale in comparison. And so my prayer for you this week as we meditate on his week of passion, my prayer is that we would not only know the message, but that we would draw intimacy through our connection to the vine where we are growing and being nurtured and allowed to bear much fruit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we see in your word. We see Jesus as the Lamb of God. We see him come in humility as he comes on a donkey. And the people misunderstood and hailed him king, but he was representing himself as your chosen lamb who would die for our sins. He stood amongst the, the olive trees on the Mount of Olives as the branch that would spring forth out of the stump of Jesse and become a new tree and bear branches and fruit. And then we see him go back to those themes. We see the gospel writers go back to those themes throughout the week. And I pray that we would have a, a fuller understanding of how vital it is to our life to be connected to the vine as we take the message of the gospel out. And we will be targets and we will experience spiritual warfare, but if we are connected to the vine, another promise that we see in Scripture, an image of Jesus as not the lamb, but as the shepherd, says in John chapter 10, no one can snatch mine out of my hands or out of the hands of my father. So if we if we're not connected to you fully, if we're not bearing the fruit we need to, to do the work in our hearts and minds and our life to get us fully connected to draw life from him. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.